1: So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/slash recommend today. 971 FM Talk Podcast. The Any Fry Show YouTube live chat poll of the day is sponsored by Ruler Foods. Low prices, no coupons, ruler foods.
2: That is exactly what I needed to hear. Thank
1: God someone here knows what they're talking about.
2: Texas! You need to take the time and get the full picture. Don't get me wrong.
3: I love the ladies. I mean, they read my engine, but they don't belong in the newsroom. It is anchor man, not Anchor Lady.
4: What do you want from me? I'm not a Goodness sake, kid. Keep your voice down. Your
1: father's listening to the radio. I'm not because This is the Annie Fry
5: Show. You know, we have to do what's good for our party. And she was up and I said, wow, she's doing uh, like a speech like she won. She didn't win. She lost. And, you know... Last last week, we had a little bit of a problem. And if you remember, Ron was very upset because she ran up and she pretended she won Iowa. And I looked around. I said, didn't she come in third? Yeah, she came in third.
4: That's President Trump last night speaking after he, in fact, did win the New Hampshire primary. And right out of the gate, Donald Trump comes out to give his victory speech there in the state of New Hampshire, and the entire preface of what he was going to talk about was trashing Nikki Haley. And I thought, gosh dang it, did I manifest this with our stupid poll from yesterday? Is Donald Trump uh, has he what? How did we phrase it yesterday? Is he becoming a better campaigner? Yeah, so not a good, not a good way to walk out on stage. It frustrated me. I don't know. Maybe it frustrated you. Maybe you love that, but uh, this is what Nikki Haley said when she got I second. I want to
2: congratulate Donald Trump on his victory tonight. He earned it, and I want to acknowledge that. Now you've all heard the chatter among the political class; they're falling all over themselves, saying this race is over. Well, I have news for all of them. New Hampshire. Is first in the nation. It is not the last in the nation. She's this excited. race is far from over. There are dozens of states left to go.
4: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's not wrong. Aside from what she said, Brad, does it seem like you're being read a Berenstein Bears book when Nikki Haley talks? <laughs> In second grade, <laughs> uh, no, it's I don't really feel sing-songy that. Very sing songy, and it's, she just—I
6: don't like her cadence. Mm-mm. Um, I don't know. Maybe it is sing songy. I've never thought of it that way, but I'm just like, get on with it.
4: Yeah, it, it sounds. Um, I feel so... like there's a lot of big dramatic winking going yes. on. Yes, like you yeah. can't hear me doing it right now, but pause for effect. That's what
6: you, it feels like. Well, like. I'll use ministry as an example. You'll go to a, a church and you'll hear some preachers that just deliver a message and when they deliver their message, it's very conversational. It's very much them delivering their message. And then you'll hear other ones where you've talked to this pastor outside of the, the pulpit. They, you know, you have a conversation, they have their personality and then they get in the pulpit and it is a rehearsed, almost a performance.
4: They're preaching.
6: Yes. And <laughs> and that's kind of- In the performative of, way. Yeah. And that's kind of what I get here. It's like Nikki Haley has gotten some consulting is like, pause for effect, two, three, (laughs) go with your next hit, you know? And I don't know, it just comes off kind of inauthentic.
4: Kind of feels Hillary Clinton-y. And I don't know if this is a woman thing, so I'll say it, but it's distracting.
6: Yeah. Hillary Clinton, like, do you remember when she, I forget what church she
4: was at, I don't feel no ways tired. Tired. Yeah, it's like, I like you don't talk I like that, come Hillary. Too
6: far.
4: Yeah. It's like that's not you. No. And then she would go to the south. Like when she was in Arkansas, mm-hmm. she'd be it's I I I don't get it. I I don't it doesn't I've I've heard her talk one-on-one with people and it's mm-hmm. just to the same thing that you're saying about preaching and I that's a there's some people who preach. Mm-hmm. The, the the pulpit I mean, I don't. No disrespect. I might listen to that sermon and love it. Mm-hmm. Who knows? But there's just something about her delivery that is hard for me to listen to what she's saying instead of how she's saying it. And yeah. Trump. I mean, I think I've I think I've calloused over to the Trump delivery because he's his own animal. Yeah. Uh, I. <sighs> she she's continuing to give reasons why they're the one to beat. And it's just not the case. Mm-hmm. There's no pathway forward for her that mathematically makes sense where something is going to turn drastically. This is this is the YouTube live chat poll for today. I'm going to put this out there right now. Why is Nikki Haley staying in the race? Four options. Because she can actually win. You think that she's in it because she can win. Secondly, she wrongly thinks she can win. So you say, you know, it's, a, it's, it's well-intentioned, She's not going to win, but she thinks she can. That's why she's still fighting. Third, to collect donor money, which is what a lot of people are suggesting right now. Everybody says it like this. Gosh, I hope she's not staying in the race because she has some very big donor meetings that she needs to fulfill. And she can't do that if she drops out of the race. That would be regrettable. I also don't think Nikki Haley would be the first person to do that, to to stretch the legs on this a little bit, to try to uh, line the coffers. And the last one is a Democrat plant. Did you respond? When I put that in the Twitter DM, I said, is this stupid? I don't know.
6: No, I don't think it's stupid. I think this is a great question. Actually, when I read it, that was kind of my I said that I was like, oh, is this is a good one.
4: I, I I've thought about it. Because I've heard people say that Nikki Haley is a Democrat plant. This is an instance where I was like, I don't know, maybe I should just make the fourth option be something else. Nikki Haley is still in the race because not the first three things and you've got your own idea. And then I was thinking Democrat plant. And then I was thinking it's probably the one that's going (laughs) to (laughs) win. I guess I'll leave it in there. So if you go to the Annie Fry YouTube channel, you can vote in one of those four things and tell us which one you think. Why is Nikki Haley still in the race? Why is she staying in the race Uh, JB says she is a well thought out plant in his opinion. Um, Julius says she is a dem plant and she even took their money from dem donors. Um, I think you could be in it for the right reasons and still take money from donors who may not be completely politically aligned with you. If you're being true and honest to what you will stand for and represent. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, I would
6: love that strategy for somebody to be propped up by the other party and then to beat the other party with their own money.
4: I don't, yeah, I don't think that, I don't think that the money that goes into this system, that there is a purity test that needs to be taken, you know, a strict purity test that needs to be taken. You need to be at peace with where that money is coming from and true to what your standards are. Now, I, a lot of people have questions with Nikki Haley's standards. Scooter says, trying to rescue her party and country from neo-fascists. <laughs> I don't remember that option. Um, I think that that would, that would be too. She wrongly thinks she can win. <laughs> I, I, I'm not 100% sure. Ron says she's still in it because she thinks Trump will be jailed. She's a rhino being funded by Democrats. Ron said that on Facebook. I think that the the idea that Donald Trump will be incapacitated along the way is still a thought that many people are carrying, which is what we talked about yesterday, Ron DeSantis dropping out of the race. You have to remember that Ron DeSantis got into the race before Alvin Bragg levied the first blow, the first legal blow to Donald Trump. There are all these things swirling around Donald Trump, all of these legal troubles knocking at his door, but nobody had opened the door and served... The papers quite yet. Then that happened. And then voters, specifically Republicans, said, we see what's going on here. This does look like lawfare, which is a word that I have learned in the last year. And we're not going to let this stand. We think it's unfair. We think that nobody is above or below the law. And we're going to back our guy. And that guy is Donald Trump. That all happened. And Ron DeSantis had to sit down and he did. Credit to him for doing so. Nikki Haley um, comes in yesterday, second place and gets on the stage quickly because she sensed that the numbers when she took the stage were going to look closer than the numbers were going to look later on. I think she wanted to scoop Donald Trump on the speech as well. And she was very positive and very upbeat. I don't blame her for being positive and upbeat. She's not going to go out there and be like, gosh, New Hampshire, you really screwed me over here. This is not going to happen. She's not going to do that and then be like, here we come, South Carolina. No, no matter to you, Nevada, I know we didn't pay the $150,000 to get on the ballot in Nevada as if she doesn't have that money. It's bizarre. I don't, I don't 100% know. A lot of times I ask these questions because they're actual questions I'm thinking about. Why is Nikki Haley still staying in the race? And these are the things that I'm mulling around. And by the end of this show today, with your input and with our discussions, I kind of come to a conclusion where I say, you know what, I think it's this. So tell me what you think I want to know. Donald Trump comes out on the stage and says what we played for you there at the top of this segment. And immediately, this is this is what we talked about yesterday. Donald Trump takes this New Hampshire victory and makes it about a personal thing instead about a movement thing. And you have to remember that the movement, the MAGA movement, involves you. When New Hampshire votes for Donald Trump, when New Hampshire votes for America first, that's you. That represents you. That represents the future of the country. He takes all the wind out of his sails when he comes out on the stage after New Hampshire gives him the victory there and attacks Haley. And
5: just a little note to Nikki. She's not going to win. But if she did, she would be under investigation by those people in 15 minutes. And I could tell you five reasons why already. Not big reasons, a little stuff that she doesn't want to talk about. But she will be under investigation within minutes. And so would Ron have been, but he decided to get out. He decided to get out. Now Vivek, I don't think would be at all because he's perfect, right? And Tim Scott, I know would never. That's no chance.
2: It's just
4: useless. The only thing that that does is stoke a base that's going to show up to every rally that you have anyway. You're not. You're not bringing new voices in to make the movement louder. You're trying to tweak the voices that are always there and asking them to scream louder. And I don't think that they can scream any louder. Yesterday, we were talking about the way that Donald Trump has managed himself in the conversation with Martha McCallum and Brett Baier, that interview that they did. That was something that Harris Faulkner brought up uh, in her conversation with me yesterday about how there is a marked tone change, a very presidential attitude about donald trump in that conversation and then we've seen other instances where he's been given the opportunity to speak and he he brings things fo- squarely focused on the prize which is beating joe biden and getting our country back and it was it again this is a reference that i make about him because this is what it feels like every time he does it he's like the orange kool-aid man bursting into the room reminding us that yes i still am donald trump And it was disappointing to me and i was excited that he won because I know that there is a little bit of question about whether or not he would be able to pull off the victory. He won. It was a big deal. And he just moved the focus onto something else. And I just wish he would stop. And I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, there's momentum moving in a coalescing around an idea, an America first idea, which I don't think Nikki Haley represents America first. I think Nikki Haley would be immensely more valuable to this country than Joe Biden. No question about it. If Nikki Haley pulls off this, why is Nikki Haley staying in the race? That's our YouTube live chat poll for today. The first option is she can win. If she wins the nomination, I'm voting for Nikki Haley. But I don't think that she represents the type of Republican that I am. And I want to see Donald Trump cross the finish line. And I just feel like when the momentum starts to really move behind him, he takes the wind out of the sails and we have to take two steps back. And I just wish it wasn't the case. Did you feel like that?
6: Yeah. I mean, but at the same time, I'm almost to the point where I'm numb to it. Like this is just what Donald Trump does and I'm not overly sensitive to it. So it's more like people have been pounding on this about him for so long that it's just ringing in my ears at this point. And I I ignore it. I move forward. I just It, it goes, oh yeah, look, he's insulting Nikki but Haley. But you've
4: seen past that because you know that the policies on the other side are worth I, it. I, I have. But I'm also
6: saying that I'm just numb to all of it because that's all it is. That's all anybody ever yells about or screams about or anything. And it doesn't matter who the person is or what the topic is. The more you pound on the same thing, it just becomes background noise. And to worry about the way Trump uh, presents himself or goes after Nikki Haley. I mean, to be fair, on his, in his defense, they're in a primary fight. And she's been talking a lot of noise about how she's going to win. When he wins, he spikes the football every single time. And he will get the 15-yard 15, 15 unsportsmanlike conduct flag every time because he's going to run up into your face and spike the football when he beats you.
4: I just want him to say scoreboard and then talk about Merrick first. But
6: that's 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 what he's doing. He's just doing it in the most gaudy, awful sort of way. Stop it.
4: (laughs) I want him to stop. All right. Well, the big question is and one of the possibilities why maybe Nikki Haley is still staying in the race, as mentioned by one of our listeners here, is maybe Donald Trump is going to be incapacitated due to his legal troubles. Is it possible? Is it possible that Donald Trump could find himself in a situation where he's no longer eligible to be the president. Andy McCarthy is going to be with us when we come back. He's the contributing editor at National Review and a go-to legal analyst for Fox News. He's a Fox News contributor. I'm going to ask him that question off the top. We're going to also talk about the Supreme Court case uh, of that permission to remove the federal government, to remove that Texas Border Patrol uh, razor wire that's on the border, among some other things. Andy McCarthy on The Annie Fry Show when we come back.
1: You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
7: What we're looking at as Trump's strength, uh, his resilience, is really a reflection of Biden's uh, fragility. Uh, Republicans are not afraid of Joe Biden. They're not afraid. Uh, yep. they, they don't think that by putting up somebody this damaged, frankly, this deranged with this many deficits it's going to hurt them at all, because the polls show over and over again that even with 978 felonies, he's still neck and neck with Biden. And so it's, it's, it's a worrying sign. You're, you're correct. There's some worrying signs for, for Trump. There should be worrying signs for Democrats.
4: Well, that's Van Jones talking about some of the legal peril that Donald Trump has found himself in. That's a lot of felonies that he just listed there. And it's among all of the things that are taking place throughout this campaign. We know there's this parallel story that is incredibly um, indicative of the support that Donald Trump has continued to amass throughout his legal challenges. I don't know that anyone could have predicted it, but it's hard to it's hard to argue with the idea that he hasn't gotten more support because of his legal trouble. How bad could the legal trouble get? Well, we speak to the experts on that because I do not play a lawyer on the radio at all. So we speak with Andy McCarthy. He's a contributing editor at National Review, a fellow at the National Review Institute and a Fox News contributor. Andy, welcome back to the show. It's great to have you here.
7: Danny, great to be with you.
4: Um, I wanted to ask you, first and foremost, a very simple question, because we've seen Donald Trump uh, win two competitions here in Iowa now and in New Hampshire. Are any of the legal troubles that Donald Trump is currently facing going to disallow him or remove him from being able to win the presidency in November?
7: I don't think there'll be legal impediments to that. I mean, if he were convicted of a crime... There's nothing in the Constitution that says that somebody uh, who is convicted, uh, let alone indicted for a crime, is ineligible to be president. Uh, the only technically uh, viable way that he could be denied the presidency for a legal reason would be if the Supreme Court were to swallow this uh, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment argument that he is disqualified. Um, as as an insurrectionist, I actually don't think that's uh, going to succeed. So that's, you know, if they surprise me and they surprise a lot of other people and accept that argument, uh, then yes, he could be removed from the ballot. And that would make it, you know, mathematically impossible. If he gets removed from enough places, uh, make it mathematically responsible, impossible to win. uh, But I don't expect that to happen.
4: So it's, it's a Supreme court ruling on his, his eligibility to appear on the ballot, not anything that he could be charged for. He could be convicted. He could be in jail if as long as his name can appear on the ballot, according to the Supreme Court, he can still win yeah. the presidency.
7: H- Historically, Annie, my recollection is that Eugene Debs uh, around the time of the First World War uh, ran for president from prison. You know, there just isn't any what the Constitution says is that you have to be over 35 a natural-born citizen and resident in the United States for 14 years. Other than that, there's no restrictions.
4: Well, I just want to make that clear. I've asked you that question before, and as we continue to get closer to November, I know a lot of people are worried that he would be removed from the race, and it just doesn't seem, barring that Supreme Court decision, that that would be the case. I want to ask you about the uh, Supreme Court ruling there in Texas with the bar with the wire, the razor wire that has been put up, Texas and the federal government going back and forth on protecting our southern border. This ruling comes out and we saw some more conservative justices say, no, this is the responsibility of the federal government. and Texas is out of line to put this down. What can you tell us about the implications of this ruling that was very narrow in that five four decision?
7: Yeah, I I think people are reading too much into it because it's really not much of a ruling. Uh, The court has not reached the merits of this dispute between the Biden administration and the state of Texas. And it is a profound constitutional dispute because it goes to a core tenet of the American federalist system that the states are sovereign. So the court Uh, Basically, uh, I I guess I should back up and say there is a litigation that's going on in the lower courts. And in order to freeze the situation while the lower courts considered the case, the district court and the Fifth Circuit appeals court uh, put an order in place that said the federal government can't uh, touch the razor wire, uh, which it was um, basically dismantling uh, on the premise or the uh, ostensibly saying that it was preventing the homeland security personnel, the Border Patrol, uh, from being able to do their uh, carry out their federal mission. Uh, I think, you know, sensibly to most people, uh, the Biden administration's going to bat for the illegal aliens against the people of Texas. That's the way I see it. Uh, But the lower courts didn't rule on the merits of the case. They just said that that uh, that the federal government has to leave things be until the courts do rule. All the Supreme Court did was say, uh, "We're not going to interfere with the federal government at this point, and they noted that the um, the Texas case uh, in the Fifth Circuit is is proceeding on an expedited basis so th- there's going to be a decision of that case in the Fifth Circuit and then it'll come back to the Supreme Court and their rule on the merits. I'm disappointed like many other people are uh, that they that the court intruded. Uh, on the status quo and allowed the federal government to dismantle the razor wire. But they haven't ruled on the merits yet. And it's not clear that, the, you know, just because the case came out five to four on whether they should disturb that order, that doesn't mean the court is going to rule in Biden's favor rather than Texas's in the
4: end. Mm. And that's an important distinction. Andy McCarthy with us right now, former chief assistant U.S. attorney, Fox News contributor and contributing editor at National Review. Um, I'm, You know, there's story after story, just scrolling through Fox News here, any news outlet, 96,000, more than 96,000 known gotaways at southern border since October 1st. I mean, we have a real crisis on our hands right now. And we've heard the president say upon returning from his winter break that he needs Congress to act and give him the money to protect the southern border. Texas is trying to do what they can do to protect their very real southern border uh, of their state where is the responsibility legally of the sovereignty of that border that just seems to be a blind eye put on it by the federal government where does the legal ultimate responsibility lie to protect it
7: you know this is this is a very dicey area of the law because it's it things have kind of flipped over the history of the united states when the constitution was ratified uh, it was much more clear that the states who remain sovereign this is the uh, you know the unique uh, development of american constitutional governance is that it's a co-sovereignty system both the federal government and the states maintain sovereignty and our supreme in their own areas and when the constitution was ratified what was clear was that the states had the power to keep intruders out of their territory was what was uh, possibly in doubt, was the extent of the federal government's uh, power. Uh, The court has derived a border security power on the part of the federal government out of the fact that the federal government is sovereign and therefore has a duty to control the borders of the United States. But I think, Annie, that was meant to vindicate the state's interest in security against invading foreigners, not to uh, nullify the state's ability to defend themselves. So the real question to put a fine point on what you're asking is are the states still sovereign? Is that is that basic assumption of the American constitutional framework still true? And that is something that uh, unfortunately is in doubt. Uh, I don't know how the court's going to come out on that.
4: Is so when when you see the pushing of states like Texas taking the measures that they're taking to try to protect their their border, do they need to stretch their limits as much as they can so that they can reach those challenges so we can get a determination on where that line lies?
7: Yeah, I think the, what could very simply, um, not that they'll do this, but the very simple thing that needs to be rejected here is an innovation in policy that the Obama administration pushed and that the Biden administration has continued to push. And that is when when the courts developed this idea that the federal government now has primacy in terms of border security and immigration, the reason that system worked was because the states had the authority to enforce federal law, as long as they didn't do anything that was inconsistent with what federal statutory law was enacted by Congress. What Obama said was that the states were limited not just by federal law, but by federal policy. In other words, the administ- the incumbent administration's views on how the laws would be enforced. And what that means is that if you have an administration like the Obama administration or like the Biden administration that won't enforce the laws, the states are stuck. They can no longer say all we're doing is enforcing Congress's laws, like the law of Congress that says if you are an illegal immigrant, you're supposed to be detained until the end of your expulsion proceedings. Mm. Uh, What the Obama administration is saying is if we, the incumbent administration, decide that uh, we're not going to enforce the laws, the state can't enforce them either. And I think if the if the court would simply say the states have full authority to enforce federal immigration law, irrespective of what an incumbent administration's policy is, we'd be a lot uh, we'd be in a lot better place than we are now.
4: It's an interesting exercise in federalism, and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But the time is ticking. That's the the border problem that we're facing right now as a country. But before I let you go, we're speaking with Andy McCarthy right now, Fox News contributor and contributing editor at National Review. I want to ask about the immigration side of it because they're two distinct. Concerns that the country has to face right now Um, We've heard a lot of the Political candidates say instead of Catch and release we want to catch and deport We've talked about you know The the actuality of being able To round people up who have come here And deporting all of them As the law stands right now What does the federal government What kind of latitude do they have To catch these individuals And just directly deport them Back to the country that they came from
7: Yeah they have full authority to do that i think what's illegal is this scam program that biden set up which where he has this kind of what he what they call a parole um, where they instead of having the uh, illegal immigrants cross the border at the uh, ports of entry uh where their theory is the government's theory is that if they step one foot on the united states we have to let them in because they're entitled to claim asylum and, and and have all kinds of legal proceedings What Biden did was to try to mask that we we were letting so many illegal aliens in is have them apply uh, for a date and time to come in as if that made it legal when he doesn't have any authority to do that. Um, And now he considers these people who are in to be paroled in. And in point of fact, they're actually illegally in the country. There's no reason a new administration couldn't switch policy uh, and deport them. But what you're left with, of course, is the finite uh, nature of our resources, right? I mean, there are now there are enough illegal aliens that have come in just under Biden's time in office to be bigger than the city of Los Angeles, which is the second largest city in the United States. We're talking about millions of people. And what typically happens is, you know, a new government comes in and says, well, we'll go after the low hanging fruit. Like if we have people who are illegally in the country, and we know they're criminals will make an effort to get them and deport them, but they just don't have the resources to, you know, I mean, we're talking about a population of of perhaps 30 million people in the United States who shouldn't be here, and they're not going to be able to deport
4: 30 million people. It's outrageous. And the longer we wait to resolve the issue, the more difficult it's going to be to resolve the issue. Uh, But it is a very important one. Andy McCarthy, thank you for the time today. I know that there's a ton of legal issues out there to discuss. And I think that this immigration one and the border one is often overlooked for the more salacious election and Trump and Biden and Hunter. So we appreciate you giving us some of your insight on this issue today.
7: Thanks so much, Annie.
4: Of course. We hope to do it again soon. Thank you. Andy Andy McCarthy, the contributing editor at National Review, fellow at National Review Institute and Fox News contributor. is also a former chief assistant U.S. attorney. Great to have him on the show and give us that uh, intellect. The, the, the money that we are spending on facilitating illegal immigration, because that's what we're doing right now, is outrageous. The cost of supporting these individuals once they get here is outrageous. And I'm just comparing, Brad, the, the attitude in 2015... Obama was on his way out, mm-hmm. eight years of the Obama administration, and he he was much stronger on he was the border. I mean, to his credit, than what we're seeing right yeah. now. Although you kind of wonder how much of what's going on right now is Obama influenced mm-hmm. from the background. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. A lot of the same players from one administration to the other. But the th- that whole DACA conversation that took place
6: mm-hmm.
4: in 2014 and 2015. And I remember the Gang of Eight and all of that discussion about, OK, I think it was I, my, the number in my head was 750,000 people. That was the that was the yeah. it was a, it was a finite group of people that could qualify. Yeah,
6: I remember that.
4: I think it was less than a million people. I think it was three quarters of a million people. And they were people who were taken into the country when they were so young. It wasn't their choice to come here. Right. They know nothing else. Should we extend grace to those people in this country? And some Republicans were willing to do so. And they were the rhinos of the time. And I'm just thinking now, if we would have put a stop to it then, approved the DACA program, said these people could stay, but we are going to acknowledge the great wrong that has been done here and say no more of that 750,000 is nothing.
6: Nothing compared to what we've had in the past year, let alone the entire three years of Biden's industry.
4: 96,000 gotaways. These are the people who aren't tracked. Yeah, Like what we were hearing from Andy McCarthy there. These are the people who didn't make an appointment with Joe Biden to illegally come into the country. That is insanity. And I'm not saying the DACA program was the savior. I'm not saying it was a good idea. I think it was an idea at the time that was a compromise that could have been worked out, John McCain Mm -hmm. said no. Yeah. And now we're here, and the problem is so massive that it's going to take somebody who is willing to dramatically change the course of this country in the face of a ton, a ton of criticism because the images of deporting people mm. are going to be used against them. Donald Trump doesn't have to run for re-election. No. And Donald Trump is going if, to, if he is elected, is going to be able to do things as a second-term president that are going to be the tough things, should it be within the authority of the executive office, We need somebody who's going to have the strength to stand on principle and to say this is what it means to be an American. We need to respect the idea that being an American means something and abide by it and welcome all who want to come here and do as we do as Americans. And the number one thing you have to do is respect law and order. Mm -hmm. It would start with the president of the United States, one would think. We're going to need to change the president in order to get one who does respect that law and order. Let's take a quick break. Wiggins America, when we come back. The YouTube live chat poll. We need your votes on it. Why is Nikki Haley staying in the race? Well, that's the question. Your options are because she can win. She wrongly thinks she can win. She's collecting donor money or she's a Democrat plant. Wondering wonder what do you think here. Give us your thoughts and your comments and your vote on the Annie Fry YouTube channel. Wiggins America, when we come back. Wiggins.
3: Oh, Wiggins. Reasons why Ron DeSantis didn't become the Republican nominee. He quit. All right, go ahead and play the sounder (laughs) again, and we'll do a different one. (laughs) Is that one on the list? (laughs) It is not. There are several reasons that it says here why his campaign sputtered and didn't quite make it to the finish line. And I think there's merit to some of them. I want to discuss some of them with you. This is from semaphore.com, which is a news site that I wasn't familiar with, but is, <laughs> is pretty good. I, I've been poking around. It's a pretty good news site uh, in multiple continents now.
4: Um, what are you talking about?
3: Semaphore.com. Check it out. It's a good news site. Multiple continents. Like multiple continents. Antarctica. It's, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> it's in Antarctica. Ding, and,
5: ding, 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 ding. <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, here we go. First of all, he missed his moment. Is the first one they say Desantis didn't become the Republican nominee because he missed his moment. What
4: does that
3: mean? And here's the way they describe that: that it seems hard to remember now, but there was a time when Donald Trump looked vulnerable, and yeah. Desantis. It's
4: when he entered the race.
3: Was competitive in a, in state and national polling, and in that moment, which would have been around November 2022, they're saying it, he that Desantis didn't take the opportunity to knock Trump down while he was already down. What do you think about that?
4: I think that he got in the race when it looked like Trump was vulnerable.
6: <clears throat> yeah, and he was also limited by by declaring his candidacy by Florida law. He had to wait for the Florida... Um, the Florida legislature to change the law, essentially. That- That's true. That's yeah. an interesting point. Put
4: that in your pipe and smoke it. I will. I will. <laughs> That's really smart. Take that it doesn't taste real- <laughs> very
3: good. I, I appreciate the... Really impressive. That is impressive by Brad. And true. Number two, That's- Trump did real damage to DeSantis early. So yes. Trump or DeSantis wasn't re- willing to kick Trump. Trump was willing to kick yes. DeSantis.
4: Trump is the meanest girl in the block.
3: Absolutely. <laughs> but do you think that that was a key factor in the race. I
4: think it was the second biggest factor.
3: I do too. I think that that was a huge factor that Trump came out swinging hard and got influencers behind him. And it seems to have worked, at least at this point. Number three, the announcement was a disaster. Do you remember the announcement that he made? It was on Twitter. It was crashing. It was a mess. And the fact that it was online entirely was I didn't a choice think,
4: i didn't think it was a disaster the way it was played out to be a disaster and i think it goes back to the influencers who deemed it a disaster i think if trump would have done what desantis did it would have been the most brilliant thing ever it's all yeah. about the spin yes yeah it that, is i think that desantis the desantis team wasn't prepared to take on what trump would throw at them
3: there is a moment though when you announce that you have a lot of spotlight and I do think he missed that a little bit.
4: It wouldn't have been that way if it would have functioned. It, that's not on him.
3: Well, the fact that he chose Twitter instead of choosing to do it at a press yeah, conference. But or you can't
4: do it at a press conference yeah. because that's the, then that gets covered in a specific way by a left-leaning media that spins the whole thing. They're not even airing Donald Trump's victory speeches. They're they're talking over them. It, on Twitter is the only place where he could have announced that and done it his way. And Twitter failed him. That's not, in my opinion, on DeSantis. That's on Elon Musk and Twitter.
3: I mean, Twitter definitely failed him. Yeah. Because how is he going to know that the that, site's going to crash?
6: I was going to say, but the other side of that is, is he was taking a big swing, a big cut. You know, he was trying to hit the home run. And I I always respect somebody that tries to hit the home run and swings and misses, rather than somebody that just takes the pitch or bunts it down the third baseline.
4: If it would have functioned the way it was supposed to, he crashed. I mean, think about this. He mm-hmm. crashed the site.
3: That's true. And, and it's,
4: that's the spin that they didn't win.
3: It's so funny that Obama's doing this stuff in 08 and 12 and people are like, oh my gosh, he's, he's a genius. So innovative. He's using all these different new media. And then DeSantis does it like, oh, what an idiot. Should have used her old media. Uh, <laughs> he tried to outflank Trump from the right. This is number four. He tried to outflank Trump from the right and I think couldn't he do su-
4: it. No, I think he succeeded. At yeah, that. he
3: is, he is
4: to the right of Trump. Significantly. Yeah.
3: But as far as getting support... From the right, maybe the far right, he wasn't quite able to do that enough.
4: False. What is the far right? But the, the, the left-leaning media has wrongly named the far right people who are obsessed with Trump. The people who are the most obsessed, obsessed with Trump are Trump first and not comparatively one to the next conservative to the core. There's a lot more populist... In mm-hmm. what Donald Trump has to offer than conservative. And Ron DeSantis is an actual, effective, proven, conservative in every possible way candidate. And he proved that and he will still be able to prove that. Donald Trump isn't the conservative conserv- <clears throat> conservative conservative. He's a populist. He's effective. He's, he's a good politician, which can be a compliment, but maybe isn't. Mm-hmm. I think he 100% has the right over Donald Trump in principle.
3: I actually do, too. Uh, the next one is kind of related to that. He seeded the anti-Trump middle. So there's this this group of people who just, they're Republicans. They might be even very, very hardcore conservatives, but they just don't like Trump. He never really was able to coalesce them.
4: Because he wouldn't go all in on the anti-Trump thing because he's not anti-Trump. He's He was just the... The when he came out, when he put himself into the race, he was the winnable version of Trump. And you mm-hmm. can't give the finger to the people right. who support the same things that you do. Yeah, I mean, Ron DeSantis isn't an anti-Trump candidate. Nikki Haley is. Yeah,
3: it's it's very true.
4: Chris Christie is. <laughs>
3: Last one here. The Trump indictments proved impossible to overcome. It's
4: the only thing. <laughs> yep. that's the thing, and that's the number one. Number one that. Number two the influencers and the spin that Donald Trump's team not just did, but the things they were willing to do. It's just, yeah, it is what it is, but it's not, it's not Ron DeSantis' time and that the voters made that clear, Mm -hmm. which is the way it's supposed to work.
3: It's a democracy. It's a republic. It's a republic.
4: It is. DeSantis' time is still coming. And so is Dory Murdoch. We come back.
1: Get more at 971talk.com.